This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Well, it's been two weeks since we gathered here, right? Absolutely. So, uh, boy, it was fun last week, although uh, I only got to get in on the very tail end of that service, but... uh, Boy, what a great time being together with all of God's people. And for those of you who are new this morning, once a year we close our church doors and meet with about 12 other churches at the fairgrounds. That's where we were last week. So I want to welcome you here this morning, all of you, but especially welcome to those of you who are here for the very first time. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of the lay of the land. Church is a place where we connect with God in the context of love and truth. I think you'll find that as we work Through the morning, we have a great desire to know the truth and to share the truth, but we have an equally great desire to do that in the context of love as opposed to the context of guilt and condemnation because the message that God has for us is a message of good news. And uh, so I want to make sure that it's good news for you this morning. You have come on a very special morning. We're laying the groundwork for something we're going to be doing next Sunday as a church that's way outside the box, but I think it's inside the box of the heart of Christ. And uh, so it's fun when we get to do things like that. And I'll be laying that out for us this morning as well. So uh, on the inside of your programs, if you would uh, take out a couple of things. The first is this long skinny card. I said a while ago that Church is a place where we connect with God and other people in the context of love, and we want to help you get connected with God. We want to help you get connected with other people who are on that same journey of getting connected with God. And so if you would take a moment, all of us, and fill out the contact information box on the front of that, if you're here every week and we already have your contact info, just put your name in there. On the back side, there's places to record prayer requests. There's places to ask for information, and even a little bit later as I get done teaching you, there's a place for you to record any decisions or next steps that you're going to take this week. Uh, And it's our prayer that everyone in our audience would be taking a next step in this coming week, or we won't leave any different than when we came. And the idea of church is that we would grow and develop spiritually, which means we will leave with something to do and something that would promote spiritual growth in our lives. So uh, once you've uh, filled out that contact box, if you're new here this morning, put as much information as you're comfortable with. We have no desire to pry into your life. We do have a desire to help you connect with God. And so if you give us a place to get started with that connection, we have tools and resources that we can help you with uh, that we think you'll find very, very helpful. You can set that aside until the end of the service, and Pastor Kevin will tell you what you can do with that a little bit later on. Secondly, on the inside of your programs, you'll find a half sheet of of teaching notes that will guide you through what I'm going to be teaching you through this morning. And we're going to look at a very interesting case study in the Bible, and you can fill in the blanks as we go along with that. But before I get into that teaching, I want you to take this little piece of paper that you found on your chair this morning, because it's going to provide the context for what I'm going to be teaching you. Okay? You can see Servolution Sunday. You can tell that I made this and not our graphic artists. You know why? It's real plain. Can you see that? Just the facts, all right? But I wanted you to be able to take it with you because we're going to do something next Sunday. We've actually never done as a church, 
And I'm pretty sure no church in our town has ever done, and relatively few churches that I know have ever done. We're going to meet here, and I'll walk you right down through it. We're going to serve our community together on Sunday morning. And we have a bunch of projects lined up uh, to do that. So here's how it's going to work. Okay? You can read what is in red, and I thought it was interesting. Somebody who walked in this morning said, Pastor, do you ever wonder, I sometimes wonder, does my life have any significance to it? Fair and valid question. I said to them, absolutely, I wonder the same thing sometimes. But the truth is, if everyone serves, everyone makes a difference. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to make a difference in our community and in our world. So here's some of the facts that you need to know. We will offer not just child care, but usual children's ministry for children uh, birth up through five years of age. You can bring them here at 8.15 next Sunday morning. Check them in. The children's check-in like you normally do. They will have teachers and crews there, and they're going to have your kids from 8.15 till noon. Okay? So, yeah, they're gearing up for a big morning. It's a big morning for that group of people. If your children are ages 6 and above, we want you to come and we want you to serve and we want you to use it as an opportunity to teach your children how to serve. Okay? We could provide children's ministry for them, but they would be better served if you took them alongside you and you said, this is what we do as a follower of Christ. We serve. And you might not get as much done as you would if they weren't with you But what you accomplish in their life by teaching and training them will be more than offset by what you don't accomplish if you could have done it by yourself. We want our children to grow up up understanding that Christian people serve. That's just what we do. Okay? Next thing is we're going to meet here at 8.30 for a brief communion service. Okay? The whole thing, the whole service is going to be communion. Uh, I'll do a little teaching around communion. We'll take communion. We'll have just a teeny bit of worship. I'll turn it over to Kevin. He'll lay out the morning. We're going to have tables around the back, which are all service projects, and you're going to serve by your life group. So if you have, if you're part of a life group, you're going to go find your life group table. Your life group leader will instruct you on what's going to happen and all that kind of stuff, and then you're going to head off with your life group to go serve. Some of you don't have a life group yet, Well, we have a service plan for you, okay? And if you look down there, it says no life group. You're going to come and you're going to find Joe Chatterton. He'll be very clearly labeled. And he has um, worked with the city and lined up several projects in our city parks. And you go serve with Joe and his gang. And there's room for 30 or 40 people in those slots. If you get to Joe and Joe's group is all full and all 40 people are are signed up and on board, then you can just go to any life group and say, hey, can I join your life group and be part of your life group for the morning? And all the life group leaders will say, yeah, you come on, be part of our life group. We're going to meet back here at noon because we have some people who are going to be fixing lunch for us. And we're going to come back here for a meal uh, all together. We're going to have fun. There'll be people swapping stories and, and having a whole lot of fun. You'll go get your kids if they're little and uh, you'll eat together as, as a church. And then some of you are going to say, what about an evening service? We are going to have an evening service that evening. 
Kevin's going to be speaking. He's already got the, the teaching put together. And yes, you're welcome to come back for the evening services if you want to. But please don't say, eh, forget service. I'll just go to the evening service. Do you understand why? Because you will have circumvented the purpose of our church tomorrow, uh, next Sunday morning. So that's yours to take with you because it's got uh, most of the frequently asked questions and answers. Now, why would we do all that? Well, I want to tell you a story. Some of you will know a little bit of this story, but when I was living in Honolulu uh, back in 1997, during a time of prayer and seeking after God, God very clearly directed me to go to a place and plant a church, actually go to Petaluma and plant a church. I didn't know anybody in Petaluma. I'd never been to Petaluma. I didn't even know where Petaluma was on the map. I knew it was in California. And I thought, it can't be that hard to find. And after about five minutes of trying to find it in California, I finally went back to the index and did the, you know, the I-3 kind of thing. And said, oh, there it is. So that's where I'm going to go and plant a church. And so in June of 1997, Monica and I landed here with our son Anthony. And our goal was to start a church specifically designed to reach people in this community that were far away from God somehow either had never gone to church or had fallen away from church. And so we set out to do that. One of the things that God said to me in the context of doing that, I want you to hear this clearly because it was a brand new thought to me. He said, Ron, if you, do the, if you plant this church, like I'm asking you to plant this church, it will bless its entire community, not just the people who come to it. I had never considered how a church could bless its entire community. I was pretty familiar with the churches that hung out the shingle that said, y'all come, and whoever came, we would be willing to bless you. But how to take the blessing of the church out into the community, I was at a loss, and I began to pray about that. And this morning, we're going to lay out part of how God is answering that vision. Now, I want you to know that this was on God's heart centuries ago. Not just what we're going to do next Sunday, but the context of God's people blessing the people in their community who had not chosen to be part of God's people. Take a look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to walk you back into the history of the nation of Israel. And God had taken them into the city of Babylon where they were going to stay for 70 years. And they were going to live among foreign people who did not worship God at all. Here was God's instruction to them here in Jeremiah. He said, I want you to work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Why? Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine what? Your welfare. I want you to understand something, and here we'll just put it in straight English. The principal point that comes out of this is that the welfare of God's people and, the, and their community are inseparably tied together. It's one of the reasons why I regularly pray for the prosperity of the businesses in our community. Because I believe that God wants to prosper people who are in business honestly to provide a service and to help people and also to make a profit. 
That's, that's a great thing. That's a God-ordained thing. And I believe that as we reach out and bless our community, then we become avenues of God's blessing to our community. And I'll tell you this, when God runs a blessing through you, you get blessed by it. Not just around you, He runs the blessing through you. And so we're going to take a look at how that works. And in specific, we're going to take a look at a church recorded in the Bible. It's a case study recorded in the Bible of a church that changed its entire community. We're going to see how they did that. We're going to see how we can follow in their footsteps. The church was located in a city called Ephesus. In fact, if you open your Bible, you can find a book in your Bible called Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in your Bible was written to this church in the city of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a fabulous city. There are multiple people in our church who have actually gone and visited the remains of Ephesus. I've been to Ephesus. It, it was a stunningly beautiful city. It was a major city in the Roman Empire. And, um, well, I've got some pictures for you. Take a look at the video screens, okay? This is the amphitheater in Ephesus. It sat 24,000 people. It was built and covered out of solid white marble. And the acoustics, I can tell you because I've been there, the acoustics in that place are so fantastic. I went up and stood on the top row, and we had someone on the, down there on the stage whisper, and you could hear them. Fabulous city. Take a look at the next slide. This is the library. And to us, a library is not that big a deal because there's books everywhere. In this day and age, you have to understand, every single book in that library was hand-copied scroll. Those books were worth thousands and thousands of dollars individually. This was a library that people came from all over this part of the Roman Empire to study in because libraries in those days, you could count all the libraries in the world on both of your hands. Fabulous place. It too was constructed out of marble. It was most impressive. And just to the right of that, for all of you ladies, that's the entrance to the mall. Don't you love that? 130,000 square feet of retail space right there and the floors and the and the and the floors were all marble and the shops were all white marble the whole city if you went to the public baths the the baths were all created out of marble they had three different heat levels of of saunas that you could go into all marble even their bath room was all marble it was an aristocratic place. But what it was really known for was it was the legendary birthplace of Artemis or Diana, who was a goddess of fertility. And so from the waist up, she was like a thousand breasts, right? And, and, and there was a 93,500 square foot temple the main temple of Artemis in the entire world right there, supported by 127 marble pillars. And people came from all over the world to marvel at its beauty and to worship uh, the goddess Diana or Artemis in that temple. But what came with that was all the accoutrements 
of pagan worship. Temple prostitution. Where people went to the temple and had sex with a temple prostitute as a part of their worship service. And of course what came with that was unwanted children. Lots of problems with that. What also came was various forms of astrology. And what came with that was various forms of the occult and curses and all sorts of things like that. Witchcraft, seances. It was an interesting city. Paul came with the gospel into this very wealthy and aristocratic place where people were actually far away from the real God and they were surrounded by all the trappings of things where you would think they didn't need anything. Tough place for the gospel to go. But you know something? In just a few short years, the church changed that entire city. Here's how it happened. Let me read it to you straight from Scripture. The Bible says, Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left, by the way, against the way, that was their way of referring to the church. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. You have to understand what was in Paul's heart from day one, and it's what has to be in our heart from day one, and here it is. The first, the first truth or concept is their goal was for everyone to know the truth. I run into Christians all the time, and their goal is just to go to church the next Sunday, and they're going to put a sign out there, and whoever wants to come to church, they'll be happy with that, but they don't have any goal of saying, we actually want everyone in our community to know the truth. We're not going to, we're not going to take you know, a stick and jam it down their throat, no. But I do want you to notice that Paul did argue persuasively. Did you notice that? It wasn't just a politically correct kind of thing. We have another kind of church down the street here, and if anybody finds it appealing and not too offensive to what you already believe, then you can come and be with us. I want to help us with this for a minute. Because all of us in the audience at one point or another, have read about a missionary doctor. This is, this is a doctor that gets, gets it in his or her head and heart, a particular people group who are dying needlessly because they believe something about their health to be true that's actually not true. And they've got a witch doctor who comes and casts spells and, and the people come who have could be tuberculosis, it could be, uh, could be the flu, it could be pneumonia, it could be anything. But they go to the witch doctor and the witch doctor teaches them that they have been somehow infected by some evil spirit and that they need to cast a spell over them and so forth. Meanwhile, the person is dying. 
And rightfully so, a doctor says, I can change all that. But in order to change that, these people have to actually know the truth. And by the way, we all intuitively know that you don't get to choose your own truth when it comes to medicine. Correct? Whatever you choose to believe in the end will determine whether you get well or not. And so the doctor goes to that people group and the doctor recognizes already that the message that he or she has for that people group is not going to be politically correct. Because the people in that community don't actually believe that. Even though the doctor knows that he or she has the truth. And so they go in and they begin to work their way into the hearts of the people because they're trying to earn trust so that in the end they can teach the people the truth because they know that if the people could just know the truth and live in according to the truth, it would change their lives for the better. Everybody with me so far? We'll know that. Listen, with Jesus, it's no different. Jesus is the great physician, not only of the body, but of the soul. And these people in Ephesus were going to this magnificent temple, and they were, they were, they were sure that what they were doing was making the gods, and in particular, that god, happy. And yet Paul came into the city, and he knew the truth. He knew There's no real freedom in worshiping an idol. I don't care how politically incorrect. That's just not true. And if you think that an idol will change your life, that idol can never change your life. But Paul began to teach people, I worship a God who's a living God, who created the heavens and the earth, who is the architect of your soul, who is the healer of your heart, and He can make a difference, a forever difference in your life. Now I want you to know something else about a missionary doctor. They don't just show up in the community, hang out a shingle that says doctor, and help whoever happens to wander in the door. You know what they have? They have a desire, not that just one or two or a handful of people in that community would know the truth. How many of them do they want to know the truth? All. Okay? And I tell you, Jesus is no different. And the people of Jesus should be no different. We've got to have that desire down in our hearts not, not to coerce people to come to church. But in the end, we have to want them to know the truth. It's not just an option that would be good for them if they happen to be inclined to choose it. We have something that their soul needs desperately. It's Jesus. If we believe that, we can actually change the community. So that's where they started. Their goal was to bless everyone in the entire community with the truth. Let's see how it panned out. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. 
And when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were dispelled. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? Yeah. You know what I wrote down in my notes? Here's the principle that comes out of that. They were witnesses to the unmistakable presence and power of God. You see, friends, make no mistake about it. You and I cannot change our community. I struggle to change myself. Don't you? Yeah. Who are we to think, oh, here, let me change you? No. You and I can never change anybody. But I'll tell you who can. Jesus can. And when I finally gave up trying to change myself and gave myself to Jesus, I'm amazed at how He changed me. And that's the message that we have for everyone in our community. You and I will never change anybody. This church will never change anybody. It has to be the power of God working in and through us. And that's why I said this morning that church, in particular this church, is a place where we connect with God in the context of love and truth. And it's my prayer No matter what I say, no matter where our worship team takes us during worship, no matter what Pastor Kevin says later, it's my prayer this morning that all of us would actually plug into God. Because He has a message for us that will change our lives this week. And as we get plugged into God, then now God's power is at work in us. Do those sorts of things happen? Just two weeks ago, might have been three now. Hello. One of the guys from the church came up to me, and his eyes were like this big around. I just got to tell you this story. I said, okay, tell me the story. He said, you know that guy I've been asking you to pray for who had cancer and had cancer, a big tumor in his brain and so forth, and a bunch of guys in the men's group had been praying for him, said, I went with him to the doctor for his pre-surgery appointment. And we walked in, and the doctor said, okay, we got to go in, we got to take an x-ray, because we got to check exactly where that tumor is, and so forth. And and so the guy went in, took the x-ray, came back, and the doctor came back a few minutes later and said, we need to go take another x-ray. That one didn't come out right. So took him back in, took another x-ray, and the doctor came back out, and he said, it's gone. He said, let me show you the x-rays. This was the x-ray we took a couple weeks ago. This is the x-ray we took this morning. The reason I had you take two, because I thought we made a mistake. He said, I've canceled your surgery. You're good. Yes. The guy who was telling me this story said to the doctor, you got to give God at least half the credit because we've all been praying for him and you don't have an explanation. (laughs) Is that awesome or what? Yeah, that's how God rolls, okay? I want to tell you that when we draw near to God, now, make no mistake, God's not a miracle machine. You don't come up, plug in a half a dozen prayers, and a miracle falls out the bottom of the machine, okay? He would not be God. You can't order him around. But I can tell you this. By the way, the guy who was healed, not a Christian. You know what he does know? He knows that he's on God's radar. 
unmistakably. When we get serious about taking the message of Christ to the people in our world, God shows up. Are you on board with that? Absolutely. Because it's all about Him. It's not really about us. So that's what happened in this community. Now I want you to, quickly I want to walk you to the end of this. Okay? Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices and a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. You think that might have made the news? Well, if you don't think so, let me read the rest of it to you. The value of the books was, in today's money, I looked it up, $6 million. I don't care how big your city is. You put a bunch of people together and they burn up $6 million worth of books, it's going to make everybody's news, right? Wow. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had what? Powerful effect. Here's the principle that comes out of that, okay? Their teaching and their influence changed their community. Does that mean everyone in their community became a Christian? No. But you know, enough of them became Christians that everyone's life was affected in a powerful way. How I wish that everyone in our community would become a true follower of Christ. Boy, would it make a difference in our world? Can you imagine if everyone in our community loved their neighbor as they did themselves? If everyone in our community lived by the golden rule that Jesus taught? If everyone in our community forgave instead of being bitter and healed relationships instead of breaking them? If everyone in our community stayed faithful in their marriage? If everyone in our community raised their children with training and instruction and in the context of love? It'd be an amazing place. You think property values are high. Can you imagine if that got out? Everybody would want to live here, right? No crime, no discord, all love and togetherness. Yeah. I can't say it was like that in Ephesus, but I can tell you this. No church, massive problems, all underground, masked by wealth. The church came, and guess what happened? People began to deal with the problems that had been underground for a long time. And God began to bring healing. And where there had been sorcery, by the way, do you associate sorcery with freedom or bondage? Bondage. Where people live in fear. And they're afraid that they're always going to be under a spell. And they've got to do things to get out from underneath the spell. And they've got to try to contact people who are dead to find out how to live life and all this kinds of stuff. And there's all sorts of ritual abuse and stuff that goes on. It's just terrible. But people began to come and say, there's a way to live. It's so much better. It's freedom and joy. It's found only in one person. There's no God like this anywhere the one and only God who reaches out to us in love and says, not only come and be my followers, but come be children in my personal family. For I'm your Father, your Heavenly Father. I'm your eternal Father. You can be my forever kids. 
So guess what? Next Sunday, after a short service, we're going out to bless our community. All kinds of people in our community. Because here's the core concept. Jesus always did it. The the apostles of Christ always did it. Here was the formula. You serve first, and then you save. Got it? Because there's an old statement that goes like this. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? So we're going out to care for our community. We're going out to serve people we don't even know. Is that good? That's awesome. We're going out to serve people who more than likely will never serve us. Is that okay? Absolutely. That's what we've been called to do. That's what we're going to do. In the name of Jesus and just because we love. We're going to serve. And then as God gives us opportunity, we're going to be able to lead people to Christ and watch their lives change as ours have changed. How are we going to do that? Well, there are four things that you can do to apply this message today. Number one is, before we can say to someone else, why don't you come and follow Christ with me, we actually have to be following Christ. Correct? Of course. So the first thing is, I'm deciding to become a Christian. Because every Sunday, there are many people in our audience who've never made that decision. You might be at church, which is a good thing, But at some point, you have to decide to step over the line and say, I'm not just a church attender. I'm actually choosing to become a follower of Christ. And I'll lead you in a prayer in just a minute where you can make that decision. And if you make that decision, I'm going to ask you to record it. Now, if you get out those long, skinny cards again on the back, there's a place to record decisions. I mentioned to you earlier, if you're making the decision to become a Christian, I want you to check. I'm deciding to become a Christian today because... We want to come alongside and help you to make sure that that you can make that decision in the context of actually knowing what you're doing and what are the next steps in that process. Secondly, I'm deciding to return to following Christ. Some of us followed Christ years ago, but truth be known, we haven't been following Christ recently. And, And we know that part of the reason God brought us to church was so that we would make a decision to return to Him and follow Him. If you know that's what God's calling you to do this morning, then check that box because I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. The third thing is you can say, I'm deciding to participate. I'm going to participate in Servolution Sunday next Sunday and I'm going to go out and serve in our community. I hope every one of us, unless you physically can't be here next Sunday, I hope everyone checks that box because we're going to go out and serve together. And then last of all, to get some idea of how many of you are not in a life group, but will be here and ready to work in that parks project. If you don't have a life group, you want to serve in the parks project, you can check box number four, and that way we can make adequate preparation. Joe can make adequate preparations. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends this morning. I, uh, we are so excited as a church to be taking hold of the life that you have for us. And we're excited that service is a part of that life. And we're excited that a couple Sundays ago, dozens of us signed up for new ministries in the church and we're getting involved because we realized that, that we as a church grow as each one of us does the part that you've called us to, that we've been shaped for. 
We're excited now to go out and serve in our community. And yet, Lord, before we can do that, we're here to make some decisions. So, Lord, I pray for those in our audience who don't yet know you. And friend, if you're one of those, you can pray this short prayer. And it's step number one in becoming a follower of Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I decide today to become your follower. I understand you have the answer to life. I know that I need your guidance. I know I need your forgiveness. And I know that you died to pay the penalty for my sin so I could be freely and totally forgiven. So I choose to become your follower this morning. I pray this prayer in your own name. Amen. Amen. And Father, for those who are here this morning who have wandered far away from you and you're calling them back to yourself this morning, would you call them back? I know you'll receive them. But Lord, would you give them grace to make that decision so they wouldn't spend another week sort of out there in limbo, but that they would fully return to you. And Lord, would you bless all the preparations that we're making for service next week And would you keep us safe as we go out into our communities? And Lord, would you help us to have some divine appointments, people that we might run into, that that you've been working in their lives and, and they're looking for an answer in life. And Lord, may we be that answer. May you be that answer. May we be the vehicle that you give it through. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.